0: to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer. Very glad to be joined on this Futures Friday episode by Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst. Tis the season, Brandon. We're not going to talk for a couple of weeks. weeks. You're heading off on holiday vacation. I've got lots of holiday stuff to do. But on this December, we're recording this on Thursday, December 15th. But you're listening to this on Friday, December 16th. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. It, it is the season. We are only a week out barely from NBA Christmas, which is always very exciting especially I know for a lot of fans. For me as a kid growing up, NBA Christmas was effectively the start of the season, right? Like that's football is winding down, college games are ending, and that's when you kind of tune in. We already been making money for a couple of months on on basketball games. But, you know, the audience gets a little wider. We get these marquee games coming up and a whole day of basketball. We even cleared NFL mostly out of the way. There's three games left, but they gave us like the coal in our stockings NFL games. They threw your local Broncos on, so you can (laughs) skip that one. Broncos Rams mid-afternoon with a look-ahead total of 35 and a half. So feel free to schedule your NBA day accordingly. So yeah, doing well. Excited for some uh, family time, holidays, and some NBA Christmas. And, uh, you know, we're settling in. we got a long season to go. So it's kind of a fun time to check in.
0: Christmas slate's looking pretty good, except for the marquee game, the Memphis Golden State game, because Steph's going to miss a few weeks. We'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode because I've got a play related to Steph. We'll talk about his situation, mm-hmm. but Christmas slate's looking pretty good. I did want to make a note for the listeners, um, because I on best bets for Wednesday, which was last night, if I'm able to keep track of the space time continuum, um, I had I had a good night. Right. So I took Orlando money line and spread and that hit. I took thunder spread and money line spread hit money line did not whiffed on the, the Raptors. Cause well, we got to talk about them. Oh boy. That game, <laughs> that, that game. Um, I do want to note that on a lot of these plays that I make in on best bets where I'm taking a dog, especially if I'm doing the half unit money line play, if the team that I'm backing gets out to a big lead, I am going to buy back. Like I am going to ensure profit or at least even that's how I bet. Like I am not confident enough in like, they should be able to hold this lead. That is not how my brain works in the NBA. I have seen it too many times. And so if you follow me in the action network app and you turn on those notifications, you're going to like, see stuff. Like I bought back on Atlanta twice. Now that one didn't cash. I should have bought back on heat, but I was at the nuggets game and got distracted. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that. You don't have to, because again, like the spread plays, they worked and they killed it. My spread plays are very good this season, but just as a reminder that I am not done. If I take, if I take a favorite, I'm usually done. If I take a dog, especially on the money line, I am looking for opportunities to come back the other way. You don't have to, I'm just telling you, that's what I do. So if you check the app later and you're like, wait, how did you, what? And I will, I'll lose ROI on it because like with the Hawks game, I was just like, Nope, don't trust the magic to hold a nine point lead in the third quarter. <laughs> um, and, you know, they got it done and, and that's encouraging. That's a data point, but just want to kind of put that out there as like a when a reason to follow in the award-winning action network app, best way for you to track your pits, etc. You've been doing that a little bit only Brandon. I love it because you were so much more of a confident and better, better than I am because like on NFL <laughs> you'll have a play and then they'll go down and you'll be like, yeah, I'm buying again. Like, no, no, no they're winning this game. And so um, I, I, Brandon's a great, a great follow for live NFL as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to watch on the app because there are times, you know, especially with NFL, I'm on these look ahead and hot read spots where I'm playing, you know, a week or 10 days in advance. Well, sometimes we had one where uh, I bet on Pittsburgh four and a half against Baltimore plus four and a half. And then Lamar Jackson got hurt and we ended up minus three on Steelers. And we got to come back on the other side. And that one, I, I middled the heck out of it. We grand slammed a, a close one, uh, a close game outcome. Really so, it, but there are other games too. There are games where you get out on a look ahead, you know, maybe you got your NBA Christmas bet in already. Those lines have been up for, I think yeah. since the season started and now stuff is hurt and you're like, well, shoot, what do I do here? So there are times where you maybe want to play a middle, or maybe you just want to just get out at times. I've had times where I've had to buy out of a look ahead or bought out of a portion of it and been like, you know what? I still like this team, but I don't love them anymore. Let me let me get out of one of the one and a half units that bet on this. So when, say, when you do when you're betting, like you said, the the Hawks magic. Just to clarify, are you when you're buying out or by buying back, I should say, are you buying back on the money line so that you're basically like what's what's the process or what is your goal
0: outcome of what you're trying to accomplish there usually? Like the obje- like the, the the key objective would be to try and get you want to try and manage your decision of whether for me of whether or not to try and go for profit either way is based off of how likely you think the outcome is. Right. So like last night, when I went back on, um, when I went back on the Hawks, I got the Hawks at plus two twenty five, Okay. Um, and that covered that bet covered my money line half unit play. Right. And what was like, the money
1: line going in that you started with?
0: I put a half unit at uh plus one
1: thirty-five. Okay. Okay.
0: So and then I come back on the Hawks at a at half of that bet for plus two twenty-five. So I cover the investment and get a little bit of the extra there. And then I bought back again at plus eight seventy-five in the third quarter, um, just for point one of a unit, because that way, if they came all the way back and covered the spread, now I'm taking care of not all, but most of my investment on the spread. So I'm not knocking off enough of my profit margin. I didn't like, I, I made money on that game with the magic because I still thought like, I think the magic are going to win this game, but I'm not so confident as to not come back a little bit on Atlanta because this is the NBA. And so, yeah, that's kind of the well, and it's,
1: it's interesting as I think about it, because you're right. I don't do that a whole lot, especially in game, especially right now for NBA, but really the process that you're describing is a lot of what I'm doing in the futures market. It's yeah. just that, my market lasts for four months and yours yeah. lasts for two hours. But either way, futures are not necessarily, as we get to some of them here, about here's my spot, I'm locking in. As you know, I used to be more like that. When we started out a couple of years ago, I would try to just lock in a spot and then like build my home there. And some of my best plays so far in the football season have been complete reverses to an early position. My whole Seattle Island thing. I was dumping on the Seahawks at the start of the season. I had them for worst record in the NFL, but sometimes in the futures market, you have long enough, you can kind of adjust your position along the way or kind of like what you're doing, a version of buying back on the Hawks money line is building out your portfolio, building your futures portfolio and grabbing, okay, let me get this ticket where it's low, but I'm going to grab another ticket to add to that later probably and give myself multiple outs here and that's where I think the futures market can be fun because I'm not as good at, as you at spotting those moments during the night and in a two hour window, grabbing the right spot. I, I tend to not do that well when I try it, but over the four months or 7,000 months, whatever each NBA season is, you can kind of find your right spots there. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's go ahead and, and and use that transition to talk about some futures. We're gonna do buy low, sell high on the Eastern Conference. We did Western Conference last week. If you want to go check out that episode, we're gonna start, we're gonna do an entire section buy low, sell high at the very top because Brandon and I are in agreement that this is a two-tier or a, a two-team in the top tier conference, and everybody else is way below, is a significant gap below them. Um, and that's of course the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. As we sit here on December 15th, going into action on Thursday night, the Boston Celtics still hold the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, but they are tied in the loss column with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Celtics are 22 and seven. The Bucks are 20 and seven. So despite everything, I just keep thinking of Thanos, all of this for a drop of blood. That's what I think about yeah. when I think about what the Celtics have done. Uh, in the last two weeks, have, we've been kind of talking about this all year. I wrote a, wrote a column about it, about, You had to decide if you were going to bet the Celtics when they were at their peak, when they were at their zenith of value. You had to decide if you thought they were going to sustain what they did the entire season. They've hit a blip, to put it mildly. The last two weeks, the Celtics are 26th in offensive rating. Now, the defense has improved dramatically, and they did get a very encouraging come-from-behind win versus the Los Angeles Lakers on the second night of the back-to-back. So they lose to the Warriors on Saturday and got just pantsed. Um, They spend the night in L.A., They have an LA nightlife game where they basically get handled by the Clippers pretty easily. And then they come back and they have to stage, they blow a huge lead versus the (laughs) Lakers and then stage a wild comeback in overtime. Thanks for killing the under Celtics um, in that, that Celtics game. This is a a really interesting spot. I, I, as we talk about this from a betting perspective, Brandon, because the question that we kind of have to approach is one, do we think that this was a West coast road trip only influence without Al Horford as the Celtics fans uh, reminded me about seven thousand times over the weekend. Um, they're still plus three forty to win the title. The Bucks, meanwhile, at FanDuel, sponsor of buckets, are plus four eighty, almost plus five hundred to win the title. Um, what is your basic take on buy low, sell high, Celtics and Bucks?
1: Yeah, so uh, let me just stick with the Celtics here, starting out because my my take on the Celtics is I'm I'm Selling on buying anything new on them right now. I'm not panic selling all my stock in them. Right. Boston is really good. Boston is going to be there in the end. They're going to be a, a contender all the way. I am not panic selling by any stretch, but I can't buy right now any of the prices that are out there on this team. And I think what's interesting is so when I look at the profile, the shooting numbers, even with this two week ice cold stretch, the shooting numbers are absurd for the season, still. They're second in three point percentage, they're fourth and two point percentage, and they're second in free throw percentage. The bench has been just red hot shooting all year. That sort of thing is bound to regress and is starting to regress a little bit. Al Horford, yes, he missed those games. Guess what? Al Horford's going to miss some games. Like, this is part of the Al Horford equation. And I'm not saying injury history or whatever. No. You just had a long, grueling playoff run, and this is your old player. And Al Horford's really, really good, but he's going to miss some games. You need him to to get him there at the end. So I think what's fascinating: the defensive profile on this team was rough early on. Uh, well, rough relatively compared to what we expected. They're top ten now. Like the defense is coming around. Still no time lord yet. The offense, I think, is going to be good. I don't think they're going to be number one for the season. I certainly don't think they're going to be the outlier number one that they have been. And it's interesting. I, I kind of put them as I think the offense is trending toward they end up something like fifth or seventh or somewhere in that range. And the defense is trending back towards top five. So once wants to get Time Lord back. And I put them in my rankings, offense, seventh, defense, fourth. And I look back at last year's team. Yep. That's what they were. That's what they are. Like, I think at the end of the day, the hot shooting and the great offense basically balanced out the slow defensive start and got us to where we're at. And they're very good and they have been very good and they will stay very good. And I don't think that they are super duper elite.
0: I think it's really interesting. Um, I have questions about the common sense approach on this team, which is essentially what you've said. And that's what like the more rational Celtics fans have said, which is like, look, yeah, we're probably not going to shoot this way the entire season, but the defense is going to get a lot better when we get Robert Williams back. The offense will get a little bit better in terms of shot quality with Robert Williams back because of what he puts at the rim. Like, so it will balance out. Here's my problem with that. Cause I thought a lot about this. It was illogical to expect the Celtics to be the number one offense in NBA history uh for a solid third of the season okay it was that wasn't like an irrational outcome so if we have an irrational outcome already baked into this team's performance what you're saying is the irrational outcome is fine but that the rational outcome of the defense improving is certain not you're not saying this but like that's part of like the yeah, right. inherent kind of logic And where I get to is I'm like, but what if it doesn't? And what I keep going back to is this team was miserable and mediocre on January 23rd last year. And then for six months, they were the best team in basketball. They made the finals behind an elite defense and an eh offense. And then this year, they've been the best team in basketball behind an elite offense and what until recently was an eh defense. So like where I keep getting to is I'm like, I... Do do we honestly know who the Celtics are? Mm Because I'm not sure I do now that you can't throw out these games just because they don't make sense with your priors. That's ridiculous. Right. Like you could say, like, well, Matt, didn't you just underrate the offense? I didn't underrate the offense. I expected it to be exactly what it's been. Like no changes to the real roster. You could say like, well, they had Malcolm Brogdon. Okay. Very nice player. Love the move. Great, great trade. Malcolm Brogdon does not rate. This is the same thing I was doing with Al Horford, where it's like, look, guys, I I have loved Al Horford since he was a rookie on the Hawks. That man has made the playoffs every season, but one of his career. He is everything I love about the NBA, a consummate professional who does his job, doesn't complain and doesn't get anyone fired. I love Al Horford would die for Al Horford. However, you can't be like, well, he's why we had the best offense in basketball. No, 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 no. That's that's not a thing. You can't just be like, well, the only reason that our offense slipped was because Al Horton. No. Like, there's a little bit of regression here. So, where I kind of get to it, if we're going to talk about betting the Celtics, there is, I think there is a likelihood that the value will get better for you as a better. That if you're just like, look, regardless of this first third of the season, because I think the best way to maybe approach it is, this prov- you, you kind of mentioned it there, Brandon. This provides such a buffer for them. Like they're seven, they're five games up on the division already. They are five games in the loss column up on the Nets. And if you're like five games over the next uh, 60 games, or really it's more like 50 games, and the answer is like, yeah, if you win at this level, five games is a lot to try and catch up. Doesn't mean that the Nets can't. I bet the Nets didn't win the division because I like the number on it. But that they've already built in such an advantage that they should be a top three seed. They're going to be a contender, but they are amongst the contenders. Um, I'm more interested because you have in your in our notes here that you want to buy a little bit of bucks. So
1: so, so let me, I, I do want to respond to one thing on the Celtics yeah. then I'll get to the bucks. I, I do think to be fair to the offense, you called it the, the team that went into the finals last year, you called it kind of an eh offense with this amazing number one defense. The numbers didn't say that. The numbers, we had that whole thing from January 29 forward. The numbers told us they were historically amazing number one defense, but also the number one offense with what felt like outlier shooting at the time. So, number one, not eh. So, and and granted, it fell off in the playoffs and that was like the last taste in our mouth. They played the box. That mattered, it turns out. They played the Warriors. They played some really good defenses. Of course, your offense falls off in the playoffs. This is what happens because you're playing the other great teams. But it was not, eh, they, they were very good. And I think, too, it's important to clarify, were the Celtics, if the Celtics had been what they were for six weeks for the whole season offensively, that would have been a wild, unpredictable outlier it's not as much of a wild, unpredictable outlier for it to do that for six weeks. Mm. Every team has hot stretches for six weeks and every team has terrible stretches for two weeks. Maybe it's not Al Horford. Maybe it's not LA Nightlife. Maybe they just had a bad stretch for two weeks because in the NBA, you shoot a lot of baskets and sometimes you hit the rim and they go out and that's what happens. So like, it's, I I think we have to be careful to go too far to the extreme on either side. They're very good.
0: I just... They're very good. My problem just keeps getting back to like, which the talent, which, you know, I'm usually on the other side of this. I'm usually, it's about the combination of guys. It's about the formula. It's about the beauty of basketball, the jazz. And instead, like with this team, I'm just very much like, okay, yeah. But like, look at the greatest offenses in NBA history and look at who they who they had. And, and then look at these guys. And like Jason Tatum is awesome and deserves to be in the MVP discussion. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, and Jalen Brown's awesome. But Jalen Brown's not as good of a shooter as he's been. He hasn't even shot well from three. That's what's crazy. They're just making everything on the mid range. Um, like Al Horford, yeah. Derek Derek White in particular is a, is a good example of this. Like all of these guys are so far above expectation. Yeah. I had a chart in, the, in that column I posted. So for me, yeah. it's like it, it's you're right that the offense has been good. It was very middling in the playoffs, which is where I, I was kind of referring to. Um, yes, but a lot of it just gets into like I I. I can't get there with like comparing the offensive rosters that we have around the league to this one. And that's the problem is that that sounds like I'm saying these guys suck. They're not, they should be like a top 10 offense. They just shouldn't be number one with a bullet.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think especially that that is amplified in a playoff setting, which is what we're ultimately talking about here. We already know they're going to dominate the regular season. Yeah. And when you get to the playoff setting, we already know that the version of the of the Celtics we've seen has come up a little short. I think Brogdon actually will help more in a playoff setting than what, yeah. and I think you agree with that as we talk about, like, oh, Brogdon, you know, move the needle a lot. They, they did miss specifically the drives and the skills that he adds to their team. So I think that helps. But again, that helps does not mean number one at the bullet. So, so let's do Bucks because the Bucks are the other way. The Bucks defense has been out of this world, amazing, good, regressing a little bit now, but still. Number one, effective field goal percentage against. They smash the rebounds. They smash at, they don't let you get free throws. They don't turn you over because that's the bud thing. Like they just, they're going to defend that way. But the defense is awesome. Brooke Lopez, the favorite for defensive player of the year. I personally think Giannis is still a good bet there. I see a plus seven to 50. I think as the season goes on, at some point, Brooke probably will miss some time because he usually does. Mm. Giannis' usage is a career high right now. And I think it's been a little too much, actually. Giannis's numbers overall are, they're not great for Giannis. They're great, but they're not great for Giannis. They're not MVP level for him. And we've seen him maybe struggle to carry a relatively mediocre offense so far. They they are very eh on offense so far. But I think Chris is back now. The offense is going to get better. I think Giannis' efficiency will return as he... Drops from 38 and 40% usage nights back to what he really should be doing. He's not really meant to be the LeBron or James Harden type guy to just be like, Oh, it's Giannis. Just let him do everything. Like that's really not what his game is supposed to be. We've seen them fail in the playoffs when they tried to get to that level or when they had to with Middleton was hurt. So I think the offense is obviously going to get better. Giannis should get more efficient. He always does. He usually makes a big push somewhere around the middle of the season Middleton is back now. I like the honest DPOI because I think he's going to be able to put more into his defense as the load evens out. And I just think this team is really, really good. We knew they were good. They've been really good anyway. I couldn't believe when I saw the standings. Oh, we're tied with the Celtics after all that, the drop of blood thing. It's like, we're right here. So yeah, I, I, I'm in on the bucks. I think everyone should be in on the bucks. I think it's very
0: obvious. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to push back against you. As somebody okay. that has a lot of bucks, um, has a lot of bucks futures. I'm good with my position. I'm not looking to add more, and I don't think now is a good time. Uh, I want to real quick note on, and we can talk about this a little bit back and forth because I know you'll have a response. Um, on the 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 Giannis DPOI thing, here's what I would caution. Part of your cap on that is I think Brooke misses some time because Brooke's been the leader at DPOI. I had uh a voter last night ask me about Brooke Lopez and like. Hey, is he as good as like the numbers say that he is? And I was like, yeah, oh, he is really that good. Cause he was like, I watched him the other night. He was amazing. And he was like, do the numbers kind of back that up? And I was like, by a million degrees. Yes. Yeah. Um, the answer of like, well, Brooke missed time is, I think you're right on that, which is why I like other guys for DPOI. The key mm-hmm. though, when Brooke missed time last season, the Bucks defense wasn't quite as good. And what right, I yeah. found when I dug into the Giannis MVP thing is in when Brooks out Giannis plays a lot more five and Giannis is not as good as a center. It's Agreed. surprising, but he really, cause they're still going to play drop. Well, they'll switch some, but they're still going to play a healthy amount of drop. Cause that's what they're built to do. They have the personnel to do it effectively. And Giannis isn't quite as good in drop coverage. So ju- the numbers may slide a little bit. And if the, if that narrative gets into the ether of, Hey, brook went out and the defense got a little worse i think that could if even if it doesn't help brook it might hurt Giannis. does that make sense
1: yeah yeah it does make sense and i think that that's i think that's true i think part of my cap is not even as much i think you're totally right like look we saw that was part of why i like the bucks coming into this year is hey brook lopez is back the defense is going to be great again because it wasn't last year yeah i think for me it's more with defensive player of the year we've talked about this a lot in the past it's such a, such a reputation thing and I just wonder how many other voters there are, like the one that you talked to, that are going to be like, I don't know, man. Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Like, Giannis is a defensive player of the year. We already know he's really great. The Bucs are great. I'll, maybe I'll vote for Giannis, actually, because, and uh, OG Ananobi, he's the second favorite right now in most books. I think it's a similar thing. It's very rare in history. I did the work on it before the season. Guys don't go from not even all defense to defensive player of the year. You just don't. There's very little process. Like, Marcus All did it. And there's almost nobody else in the last like 20 years. I think Brooke Lopez, I think Ananobi probably make all defense to go to defensive player of the year is, is a big jump. The name brand matters. So I think that's kind of my Giannis thing. But okay. I, I like the profile overall. Let me ask you this. We agree this is this two team tier. Are the Bucks number two? Are the Bucks 1B? Or are they 1A or number one for you? Where do they go in the tier? Oh, that's good.
0: Um, I think they're 1A. Me too. Because I think in a playoff setting, what I'm, re- uh, and I will tell you after two years of our stressful podcasts about this team, <laughs> here's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to get myself in a position where I have started looking at the Bucks as pocket aces. And my strategy with pocket aces is you have the best hand in poker, get your money. Because if you, unless you are a good enough player, which I am not. To use them effectively you should get your money in with the best hand when you have it yeah so what i'm trying to do is i want all of my buck stuff up front so i do not have to talk myself into betting the bucks on a nightly basis versus the Boston celtics and lose even more of my hair like i want to lower my stress threshold for how this team frustrates me with their shooting um that's in the playoffs though and the reason i don't necessarily know if this is a buy spot for the for the bucks is the strength of schedule hmm. so the milwaukee bucks are, are this season they are obviously as we mentioned up front they are tied with the boston celtics in the loss column they are 20 and 7 with the fifth best overall net rating in the league it's a little surprising that they're only fifth in that category um they are second in defensive rating. The Cavaliers and them are basically every other night. The Cavs and Bucks are going back and forth. They are just 18th in adjusted offensive rating at dunks and threes. Their overall strength of schedule is 30th. They have had the <laughs> easiest opponent schedule so far, and it's been home heavy. They've had a home heavy, easy opponent schedule. Including the 28th ranked offensive strength of schedule, so the defenses they were facing have been the 28th toughest, and they are still just 18th. They are 30th in defense, but in defensive strength of schedule, but I'm fine with that because like the eye test checks out, right? And all, and this is what I always say: like the, you beat up on the bad teams. This is how the Bucks, yeah. you know, put up the, the numbers. But if we're analyzing overall strength, it is likely that Milwaukee will lose some more games or go through a, bre- a bad stretch as the schedule gets tougher, even as those provide more opportunities for us to find like, hey, you know what? I still really like them in a playoff matchup. So for me, they are not a sell right now, but they are definitely not a buy.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That So I have I see a plus 310 to win the East. That's an implied 24 percent. I make it I like I have the Bucks Celtics very much in a tier of their own. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I, I think pretty clearly you'd take Celtics Bucks versus the field in the East by a wide margin at this point. I, I have it like three to one, basically. I put that number closer to 35 or 40%. So I think there's value on the number, but I think that you're right. I, I think that it's not necessarily a buy low spot here. They're not low. But I, I think that there probably will be a buy lower spot later. And we know what the bucks are and what they're going to be. My numbers like the plus 310. They like, by definition, then a plus 600 to win a title that I see out there. My numbers like it, but I don't think I'm going to like getting that ticket any less later, like barring a major injury. I'm going to still like the Bucks team. I'm going to, I agree. Pocket Aces is great. And I played a lot of poker before at pocket aces, your temptation is to sit on them and wait and wait and hope someone else gets something kind of good. So that way you can really milk it out. And then guess what someone does, and then you lose, you got to just get your money and get out. And I think that the pocket aces are going to be there. They're going to be the favorite later, and there might be a better chance to buy on it. So I think you have talked me down a little bit. I I still want to buy in on the bucks, but I think there may be a better buy spot later. Should we talk Jason Tatum here?
0: I'm going to let you. I have given my speech on it. (laughs) I have given my conversation on it. People know my position. I have not been like, I have a very, I have a, I have a Tatum position, with some parlays. It's very small. It's basically built out. Like I, I have some bets that are basically, if I'm wrong, I bet a lot of, if I'm wrong bets that to balance out my, if I'm right, bets, which are, you know, bigger ROI, uh, I will give you the floor to talk about whether or not Jason Tatum is a buy right now or a sell for most, most valuable player in the NBA.
1: Do not, do not, do not bet on Jason Tatum right now to win MVP as the MVP favorite. I don't understand it. Like, how have we not learned the lesson by now that just because you have the best record in the league doesn't mean that your ostensible best player is automatically the MVP. It's just not what happens. And by the way, it's not going to matter in 50 games anyway. We need the team at the end of the year to have the best record and to have their best player and the best player to be deserving of MVP. That's the important part that we kind of don't seem to include with Jason Tatum. Like the numbers. I know box plus minus is my number I go to a lot at, at BPM at Basketball Reference. It's it's flawed. All the all-in-ones are flawed. Jason Tatum for the season is 17th in BPM. He's right between, for reference, Pascal Siakam and Desmond Bain. Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum, Desmond Bain. MVP favorites, as we all know. Like, come on. Jason Tatum is very good. Uh, you like EPM better. I think he's something like 7th or 8th in EPM. He's wonderful. He's terrific. He's been great. The Celtics are awesome. How is he the favorite right now when he's clearly not even close to being a top five player and the Celtics, you're buying the Celtics at their peak value right now where they as great as they've been. They're still tied in the loss column with the Bucs and like a barely a couple games ahead of multiple West teams. The Celtics can only go down from here. Jason Tatum has been very good. I just I don't get it. 38 and 4, very good numbers. I don't even think that he's necessarily in a first team all NBA choice right now. I think it's ludicrous oh. that he is MVP favorite. They're so
0: gonna, they're gonna find you, man. And it's
1: you're they, welcome. At Wheaton Brando, give me all your Jason Tatum comments. I think it's ridiculous that he is an MVP favorite. I think he can get you. We got the ballots. He'll get on a ballot. Hooray for making the back of the ballot. Look. I don't, I don't get it, but I, by, my, my, I made my MVP ballot just to kind of say, okay, well, where, where would I put him? At and Brando, come at me. He's not in my top 10. I don't think he's a top 10. You don't have to have an MVP candidate just because you're the number one seed. He's not on the list. they are Luka, Jokic, Steph, Giannis, Embiid, Donovan, Mitchell, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Zion, Ja, I take them all for MVP. They all rate better. I don't care. Jason Tatum... Look, maybe you disagree with that. Don't bet on whatever the stupid yeah. short number he is. Don't yeah. bet on it right now. It's a terrible bet. He might win. He could win. But don't bet at this terrible short favorite number right now.
0: Um, ESPN's going to be publishing a straw poll here in a few days. And I was one of the the people who polled for it. So I'll go ahead and, and say what mine was. Um, I had Giannis one, Curry two, Luca third, Tatum fourth, Embiid fifth. Um, I will push back a little bit from this and this is not just to keep the Celtics fans out of my mentions, but look, <laughs> you're averaging 30 points on the best team in the league. You're averaging 30 points per game on the, and now look, 30 points is not what it used to be. <laughs> it used to be like we'd have one or two and we have so many guys averaging 30 this year. It's, it's wild. The, uh, of the, of the guys that are in MVP consideration and Luca Giannis Tatum and Curry, all averaging 30 Donovan Mitchell is a 29.2, not far behind um i am willing if you are the type of voter that's not going to care as much about the advanced metrics that to you winning is paramount that's okay that's a paradigm like sure my thing with mvp is as long as you have a consistent definition of what how you define valuable i'm okay with it and if you're like i'm not going to use the numbers it's to me it's i watch the game and i see who wins and who is most impactful towards them winning then you're going to feel like it's Jason Tatum. He's averaging 30. His numbers are great. His efficiency is awesome. He's a, he is a great defender, not a good one, a great defender. He's not DPOI category, but he's not like the other side of the earth from it. He is closer to DPOI than average. Uh, To me, he absolutely like he deserves to be on the ballot. He does not deserve to be the number one. I can't, part of this is tough because um so like the mavericks are under 500 right now right they're 500 they're back at 500 after the win the other night i still kind of think the mavericks based off of their win profile are probably going to stabilize and wind up over 500 Luca, with the numbers that he's putting up for an above 500 team it's very difficult not to say how valuable that is it's in the modern construct of how like this does get tough i get it if you're if you're one of those people that's like i'm sick of the numbers like i care about if your team actually wins or not but the reality is is that we're seeing this more and more a team winning or not is more based off of how the team plays it's hard for guys to carry one-on-one i think it's harder now this is a superstar driven league but everybody's got a superstar and so it's really more about how your team plays together that determines whether or not your team is really dominant. And I agree with you. The numbers are too short right now. If he was, if the books were were as skeptical as we are and they were putting him five to one, right. Then I'd be like, come on, he's the number one. He's the best player on a team. That's been the number one offense. Yeah. We'd be talking about it, but no, books, I mean, look
1: literally a week ago on this very podcast, my argument was, hey, you know, who you should bet on for MVP Zion Williamson, because he's the best player on a one seed. That's literally the thing we're saying. If you are a voter and Devin Booker was your a number one MVP choice last year because he was the best player on the best team. Fine. Vote for Jason Tatum. Same similar criteria. Tatum's better than Booker. I'm not even saying that. That's fine. I understand that criteria is out there. This is a betting podcast. Zion yeah to be the best player on a one seed was 120 to one at the time Jason Tatum is like two to one or three to one wherever you're betting it you can't bet at that number I agree if he was I wouldn't still take it at five to one if he was a longer number we'd be making the argument hey guys the Celtics have been really good Jason Tatum is pretty good 30 points a game is a lot that's going to win some votes he shouldn't be the favorite it's a long way to go I don't know. Our back-to-back MVP is 20 to one at some books right now and is leading in pretty much all the advanced special happy metrics. I'd rather take that bet myself.
0: Can't get there. He's not going to score enough points. Not gonna,
1: not gonna <laughs> I knew score. that would make you happy. Okay. So Cavaliers. Yeah. If we're fading the bucks at all, the Cavs perhaps are the way to do it. So wh- where are you at on the Cavs
0: right now? You and know, I had this big debate in preseason on our out-of-bed division. <laughs> you like the Cavs, and I was like, Brandon, the Bucks always win the division. I was like, Bucks. That was a like, Brandon. The Bucks always win the division, always. They would do it every single time under Bud. They're an auto lock. You can't get a good number on it, so you can't bet it. But you can't, you can't bet against it. And now it's December fifteenth, and here I am, and I'm about to tell you that there's value on the fucking Cavaliers to win the division. <laughs> because look, my numbers really like you talk about your numbers. My numbers really like the Cavs. Um, I have the Cavs rated fourth in power ratings. The Bucks are eleventh, and that's because of that half court offense. Like their mm. half court offense just isn't good. A lot of these games, the Bucs are winning by just running the ball down the other team's throat. Now, if you want to say like, doesn't that over inflate for half court? I think it does. The Grizzlies are a good example of this. My numbers think the Grizzlies are very much like pretty good. Eh, they're second in the Western Conference. They win all these games. I've started betting them blindly at home as a favorite. I'm on them again versus the Milwaukee Bucks as we enter Thursday night. We'll see how that one works out when you listen to this. Um, they're plus three eighty to win the division. That's probably good value. The offense has really fallen off a cliff, which is a bit concerning, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to make it tough. One of the things I think you have to ask yourself is just, do you think the Cavaliers can be as consistent as Milwaukee is? Because Milwaukee very hilariously can, they they will have a night where they won't shoot well and no one will be like, they won't overwhelm you. They won't look incredible, but they'll beat the Pistons by 15. They'll be favored by 11. They'll win by 15. They'll be favored by 12 versus the magic and they'll struggle for most of the game. And they'll hit one stretch of good play in the fourth, and they'll win by 13. Like this is this is who the Bucs have been. I don't want to bet it, but if you're like, hey, I don't really believe in the Bucks regular season wise. The I cannot, I, I can't sit here and be like, no, you cannot bet Cavaliers. I just can't. The numbers are what the numbers are.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important here. we I think this is a regular season team that we're buying on. The the Cavs, Cavs playoff futures. Well, okay, well, so we'll come back to that. But I agree. Regular season. I'm probably not even gonna add a lot of stock here because I got a lot of calves stock over the summer already. I got over is I've got JB Bickerstaff, coach of the year. That's at 15 to one right now. I think that's very much in play. As we look at like who are the top teams, I think that the top teams are pretty much who we expected. The Cavs are the top team that wasn't necessarily expected. So I think he'll be in play there. I like the division number. I just have it multiple times already there, but I agree plus 380, I think is a good value. Just straight up, the over-under is at 49 and a half. This is a profile of like a high 50s win profile right now. So again, not going to add it because I've already got some Cavs stock, but if you're fresh and you don't have a division play or an over-under play, I think it's a good spot. What was remarkable to me looking at the profile, I like the Cavs coming to the year because I thought the defense was going to be really good, set the high floor, and then we'll see how the offense goes. That's basically what we got. What I didn't realize... Is at least by basketball references numbers, the Cavs are number one in defense. I've been like going crazy all year about how awesome the Bucs defense is. The Cavs have passed the Bucs in defense, which is like that's it's whatever. It's nothing. It's December 16th or whatever day it is. It's it matters that the Bucs were that good and the Cavs also are that good already. So I know you like your Jared Allen Defensive Player of the Year stock. I'm a little worried just because. Evan Mobley is the guy with the shorter odds and who gets the credit. And the thing I said earlier about, have you been here before? Neither Allen or Mobley has made all and or all defense before it's we, we've got all the, and maybe it's just, Hey, you know, what? it's going to have to be somebody new. These are all the candidates this year. Maybe that's the answer. I worry that those two might kind of split the vote for a mm-hmm. team. That's not super public and national yet, but I think you got to get some calves stock somewhere.
0: It's interesting because like Brooke and Giannis should split the vote, and yeah. Mobley and Allen could split the vote. And Marcus Smart wins again. That's oh god. <laughs>
1: um, why, why would you do this right before Christmas? An, an
0: important <laughs> right before Christmas, an important thing on the Cavs here. Uh, so like their their strength of schedule isn't awesome, but the Bucks' uh, defensive strength of schedule is thirtieth. The Bucks uh, the Cavs is eighteenth. So it is considerably better. And when you face these elite defenses, you're going to get dragged down. So what we kind of see here is like neither one of these teams have faced the elite offenses consistently, but the Cavaliers have faced a tougher one and they have a better result with a defensive rating of 0.5 better than Milwaukee. Now, again, over the last week, those two have like, they flip flopped a couple of times. These are still the, like, these are the elite defenses in the NBA. Um, Pelicans surprisingly close behind, but I think we can agree that these two teams are better. Um, it's interesting that Donovan's not really getting much push for for MVP. Yeah. And I get it. There's a lot of talent on this team, so that may just be the end point of it. But like the numbers here are it's it's 29 4 and 5. So like the box score is probably not good enough, but he is shooting 50 43 uh mm-hmm. 89. So like he's he's within range of a 50 40 90 season scoring 30 a game. Yeah. Very and the
1: advanced stuff. metrics are are really strong too. Like the, the advanced metrics and the BPMs and EPMs and warps, like they they are, they're all up there because I think what's a little underestimated maybe in the profile of him, he's doing a lot for that offense. Like it, we, we know Darius Garland and we know Jared Allen, they made the all-star game. We know Evan Mobley, you know, there are all these other guys we know. The offense is Donovan Mitchell and like, the, the the fact that they are a top ten offense that is Donovan M- Mitchell. We need more Darius Garland. Like it hasn't he hasn't been good enough this year from what they've been. Jared Allen's not getting some of those quite as easy buckets as he was. Look, Donovan Mitchell is not going to win MVP. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think yeah. it would be extremely a long shot. However, if only if you can cash out, I think it is a great spot to buy low on a cash out play. Literally for the exact thing I just slandered Jason Tatum for. The Cavs are right there, and it's very plausible. Three weeks from today, the Cavs could be the one seed in the East with a thirty points per game (laughs) score. It's right there. It's the exact same Jason Tatum argument.
0: I love this take. I love this take. This is a great take. This is a great take. He's forty
1: to one. If you can cash out, why a month from now when the Cavs are the one seed and he's the Jason Tatum, why wouldn't he's not going to get to be the favorite? He's not going to win. But wouldn't he get to five to one or eight to one or something like that? And then you cash out and take your money and go, don't trick yourself later. Remember the rest of the take, which is he's going to lose. Yeah. Don't hang on to the ticket. But look, if it was a month ago and you could buy Jason Tatum at 40 to one to be the leading scorer on the one seed, we would have told you to do it. So okay. it's that.
0: All right, let's move on to a couple of the teams here. We're going to go through these a little bit quicker. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, you're selling. I'm. I'm buying. God help me. Why are you selling?
1: I I don't know I just I don't I just have a hard time believing in them. I, I, the profile to me, I need to watch a little more of them. The defensive profile is is like, okay. So help me out. Here's the defensive profile. You know I like like the shooting percentages and the big picture four factors all that. So they are second to last in three point percentage defensively, which we know is a little unpredictable. But second to last, not great. But they are the number one defense against two point percentage in the NBA without an elite rim protector, unless Nick Claxton and or Ben Simmons just became that overnight. And I haven't caught up yet. They're number one in free throw percentage defensively, mm. which is probably a fluky thing. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't make sense to me to be so polarized all three of those numbers. They don't rebound at all. They're not going to rebound. That's not their profile of the team. Rebounding is a defense thing. Also like, they're borderline top 10 offense and defense. Sure. The offense is exactly what I thought. Katie's making shots. The shooting numbers are all good for the team. I don't buy the team. To me, we just did Cavs. The Cavs are the number three in the East for me and much closer to one and two. And the Nets are just a drop to all the other teams. And they're in the, all the other teams, the East kind of sucks after that. So sure. They can be in the mix. I buy them as a win a playoff series team or KD goes nuts for a while and you knock off one of those teams, but I'm seeing like a plus 650 to win the East, which is a 13%. No way for me. Like I, I'd put it 5% or below. If I was going to play a Nets play at all, 5-1 to one to make the play in, I think is a better play because I don't think they have any real shot at a top three seed, and I think they could be within a few games or a couple of weeks KD injury from falling down. I know all year long, your your power rating has loved this Nets team. I know they love the half-court offense. So sell me on, on what you like about this squad.
0: All right. God help me. Uh, you know what a lot of it is, Brandon, is that Nick Claxton's really fucking good which is not, mm. it's a little surprising. He has made major strides on both ends of the floor and he's not getting enough credit. Royce O'Neal's having a really good season. They've upgraded the perimeter defenders enough. So let's let's take a little bit of a holistic look at this because you mentioned some of the numbers. Let's just look at like a holistic approach here. Um, Second Spectrum's got them at the ninth best effective field goal percentage allowed so ninth lowest so the bucks are number one the celtics are actually number two and that's indicative of that their defense is going to continue to regress Cavs are third you got wizards mavericks clippers the kings surprisingly but the kings allow like a way higher expected mark this is the big key here brooklyn's ninth and they've only allowed one percentage above that so here's what you kind of got is This is not a number that's likely to regress. It's right about in line with where it should be. Um, If you talk about the way that they play, they're really good defensively at pressuring at the edge with switches and then collapsing down. And they're selective, in my opinion, on what shooters they leave open. So Mm -hmm. they are better at knowing their like, they have very high KYP, they know their personnel. And that to me helps. I don't think they can be an elite defense. I do think that this looks more like, because especially when you dig under the, uh, when you get under the hood and you look at like, okay, but where are all these numbers coming from? This was like the shocker for me is is when I really started to be like, man, fuck, I think the, I think the nets are good. Uh, (laughs) They are sixth in half court defensive efficiency. And that's a big freaking deal. Mm -hmm. Their problem is that they have turnovers, which lead to transition stuff. The stuff that they can control, half-court offense, half-court defense, transition offense, they're top 10 at. And that formula to me is really good. Um, I think they're higher than the 13 percentage mark. I bet them already to win. I bet them to win the division as a very, very long number, basically based off of like, what if the Celtics did drop off a cliff? That was the bet. And beyond that, though, I do have a Celtics. I've started including Nets in – the finals matchup parlays i've started including i have a bet on the nets to win the eastern conference um they are to me a legitimate contender you can't be like yeah but who's their guy it's kevin durant yeah <laughs> uh, and the supporting cast a lot of it is their numbers are also warped by early season the offense wasn't good enough and the defense wasn't good enough because they were missing key guys in particular they were missing seth curry joe harris has been a real all over all the place. I think they probably make a trade. I think they need one one big man Mm -hmm. off the bench because they're having to play a bunch of young guys. Jacques Vaughn's doing real work. Like he's doing real work here. I don't trust them because of Kyrie. I I don't. But the value is the value. And the team, the rest of the team has a good vibe. They're playing together. And it's, to me, it feels very much like those guys kind of got together and was like, we're not going to let this nonsense ruin our season. So, I have a little bit of faith in the, in the Brooklyn Nuts. Let's skip Sixers. We don't know who the Sixers are yet. Tyrese Max, he's not back yet. Harden had just got back. We agree on that. And be the beast. I think he's probably like, he's good value for MVP. We can, we'll talk about the Sixers another day. Um, you're buying Raptors. You and I were talking about this in the group chat that we've got with our former colleague, Rahim of, uh, of the Ringer. I'm really curious to hear this. Why are you buying Raps right now?
1: Well, so. I don't really know how to buy them. So maybe I, I don't think that the books are selling on Raptors. So I'm not sure that I really can buy them right now. I, I just, I think the team is a little bit undervalued. Well, maybe they're not because the books don't have a value out there, but so they're 13 and 15. They're playing a little bit below what they should be by expected win loss. That should be flipped 15 and 13. They're the profile overall, just kind of in the middle. They're on the middle offense around the middle defense. They're 15th and net rating. Why I'm buying them is because I do think it's a buy low spot on the season for them. Pascal Siakam has been wonderful for them. The numbers are really good, but he's only played 18 games. Look, I did the BPM thing earlier. He was above Tatum. If you took 10 games of Tatum out of the lineup, he's some valuable. You would, it would be worse without that. Fred Van Vliet has really not been very good this year. I assume he's going to get better. He's missed some time. Hasn't been great. Precious has been terrible and missed a bunch of time. Otto Porter has barely played for them. That was, I think a key bench pickup for them. It's Otto. So maybe he just never plays. I I just feel like injury wise coming into the year. This is not surprising. We expected, I expected them to be a team. I was fading because we thought the injuries might be there. They're running these guys into the ground, but I think right now we should expect more from those guys. And uh, to, to me, I looked for Raptors to make the playoffs. I thought that was gonna be a nice buy because I think that they're a top six team. I think that there could be as high as the four seed in the East, depending on how things close out. The problem is I think the books think that too, and there's not really a number there. So I don't know if there's a way to buy the Raptors futures. I certainly don't need them for an East conference or anything like that. I just, I I buy the regular season. I think they're gonna still finish solidly in that like four to seven seed range.
0: Okay, I'm not going to bet anything because I have learned my fucking lesson about fading the Toronto Raptors. But I do want to note that there's a couple of things that are interesting with how this is going. By the way, you're right. uh, There's a book out there that right now has, yes, minus 275. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't need that. Here's what's concerning. Raptors fans are really smart. Those are really smart basketball fans. And they're very passionate and they follow the team very closely. And if you go to the podcast's And if you go to Raptors Twitter, there's a lot of like, so last year I compare Raptors fans to the who's down in Whoville because no matter how mediocre they looked, they just kept on singing and they were so excited about Scotty and everything was great. This year, the vibe is entirely different. There is major worries about Scotty Barnes who it's not just the offense like there were go go if you were to see the tweets from last night's loss to the Sacramento Kings, it was why is Scotty's defense so bad right now? The offense has fallen off a cliff. Barnes was a huge reason that team made the, the surge that it did late in the season for them to sneak into the playoffs. That probably fully healthy was going to be Cavs. Um, there is also a very strong. We're still doing the playing starters forty two minutes a night thing. Nurse is still doing that, and Nurse is still arguing with the officials every single night about everything and throwing fits. And the act is wearing a little thin, at least to the fan base. And I don't necessarily know that the team is responding the way that you would want that, like you would expect them to respond. They've got some things in the pocket. So Gary Trent Jr. is probably a guy that gets moved. He wants the money. The numbers with him are awful and they've been frustrated. So I wouldn't be surprised if GTJ gets moved and they try and package some stuff together to get an upgrade again. I'm not going to take the plus 200 for them to miss the playoffs because the Toronto Raptors have fucked me one too many times, (laughs) but I do think absolutely that they are a no buy right now. And that, it's not me saying this team is worse than, than maybe people realize it's the fans. And those are people that follow this team. And they're, that's a yeah. pretty like, this is not the bulls. I always know that the bulls fans are going to think their team is terrible. The Raptors fans usually think their team is good. And so that yeah. to me is pretty, is pretty telling. Um, you're selling on the Hawks. Let's talk about them for just a minute. Tell me why you, you want to sell on the Hawks. And I actually want to push back on something you've got in the notes. Go ahead.
1: I just think they're not good. I don't, like, this has not worked out. The DeJounte Murray thing with Trey Young doesn't look good to me. The team just, I don't think they've figured out what they're trying to do. The offensive profile, that was the one thing that we knew they'd be good at. And it's, it's bad. It's really bad. They're bottom 10 in offense. They're bottom 10 in defense. They're bottom five in effective field goal percentage. Offensively, the thing that they're supposed to be able to do, DeJounte is hurt. John Collins is hurt. They don't shoot three-pointers. They don't get to the free-throw line. I don't like anything about the profile right now. I don't think they have any real good chance to be a top six seed and to secure a playoff spot. I think that they're doing poorly enough that they maybe could miss the play-in. Probably not because the East, oh, it's awful as you get down to the bottom. But, man, I would be really happy to not have to count on the Hawks winning a play-in game or two. And I don't think that they like each other. I think Nate McMillan is way past expiration date. I, I I in the notes, I think this is the one you're gonna push back on. I have fire Nate McMillan into the sun. I I don't know what he's doing wrong, but I think we need a new solution here and we don't have a roster solution plus 300 to miss the playoffs. I love that bet. It's my favorite bet on the podcast. I don't think the Hawks are making the playoffs. Maybe they make the postseason but I will be very, very happy to be sitting on a plus 300 and it's all I need is the Hawks, this garbage team that doesn't get along, doesn't have a, a, a profile of what they're doing to just lose a play-in game to, I don't really care, pick somebody and they'll beat them.
0: All right, I'm going to challenge you. Are you betting plus 300? I'm betting it. Okay. Um, I am not here to tell you that things are fine. That's, that's not my thing. They're not. I have a question for you. Without looking, what's Trey Young shooting from the field this season? Guess.
1: Oh, just field goal percentage? Yeah. It's bad. Um, I'll say f- 53%. Okay.
0: Uh, he's a he's primarily a three point shooter. Are you talking about EFG? If you want. Like, yeah,
1: probably. I, I don't even look at field goal percentage. Yeah, you're right. That's way too high. I'm thinking like true shootings and EFGs yeah. and whatever.
0: So the EFG, you'd probably play around 50%. That's pretty bad. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah he's that's at too 40- high.
0: Yeah, he's at 45.6% effective <laughs> field goal percentage. Guess what he's shooting from three?
1: Ah, uh, it's it's not great. I know that, and it, I, I'll say thirty-one percent.
0: Twenty-eight point five, Brandon. Oof. Now, here's the question, though: Do we think that Trey Young is a forty-one percent shooter from the field and twenty-nine percent from three?
1: Now, here's the thing, though: I was I long have been a Trey Young fan. I had him one B in my draft board. I loved him at Oklahoma. He is a volume three-point shooter. He is a James Harden three-point shooter. He's never been an elite shooter. He's not a 40% guy. He's not a 28%
0: guy either. He's going to get to like
1: 33 or 34.
0: His career is 35, right? right? Which is like, that's fine. For volume, that's fine. Right. Yeah, for the shots
1: that he's taking and creating for himself and step back 40-footers, that's fine.
0: Even at 33%, I'd be like, look, he's having a down year, but like maybe he's just having a down year. 28.5% is like, no, 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 okay, Trey Young's going to eventually remember how to shoot. Um, You mentioned the Nate McMillan thing. There was a note in all the reporting that was done over all of the stuff, I believe it was by Amick, that the players sided a little bit with McMillan. I thought somebody that knows the situation that knows that team. And the commentary was like, look, you can't let it get that bad with your superstar. That's part of the job of being a coach. But Nate wasn't wrong. That was the sentiment inside the building, which is like, you can't let it get to the point where Trey misses the game and then it gets out and it becomes this whole distraction. Your job is to avoid those. But Nate's initial thing was not wrong. But like trying to hold accountability, knowing whether or not a guy's going to be available, being accountable to your teammates, even if it's just like, hey, I can't go tonight. That's fine all these types of things that Nate wasn't wrong. And so I don't know how this works out. What I will tell you is I continue to feel like when DeJounte Murray and John Collins are healthy and they're on the floor without Trey young. If you watch that team, you actually kind of go like, these guys are pretty good. They haven't had DeAndre Hunter who um, again, he misses a ton of time and that may just be like a, they're injured. And that's, that's he's been
1: terrible this
0: year. Well, he's been injured for most of it. So I don't like. That's a good reason. I think to bet the the no, to miss the to make to miss the playoffs to, miss, to bet no. the no playoffs bet is like they're just they just might be hurt all year and this and they never and the guys that they have are not good enough to like Trey's not having a good enough season to pull them out. The other thing I would say though on your plus three hundred to worry about is we've said this for three years and so again this might be reason to fade this conception but everyone around the league is like the Hawks are gonna do something they've shifted like the the tone has gone from the Hawks are always making calls about john collins Do the hawks are actively looking to shake up the roster and so we'll see what that nets it may be worse right your bet may look better later because it may wind up with a a negative outcome but i think it's like an interesting question um
1: and and there's really no scenario where the hawks go in the tank because they're gonna they've already traded the draft picks they're gonna trade more probably when they do whatever that next move is they're gonna try they're gonna want to make the playoffs so that's against the bet just plus 300 is implying 75% that they would make the playoffs. And I just, I don't see it with this team.
0: There's no value on the Chicago Bulls for them to miss. There's no value on the Chicago Bulls. Like, there's no way to fade them. I'm assuming you, like every Bulls fan I know, is selling aggressively on the team now.
1: Uh, yes, uh, since I believe the day that we traded for Vooch and then the day that we traded for Demar. So uh, is this where I do the victory lap on being right about
0: everything? No, because you, you were dead set on them being under last year, and I won. I won that one. I won you're them last right, you're
1: year. Dead. You're dead. Um, Why do you like the Bulls right now?
0: This is a buy low spot. It's just a buy low <laughs> spot. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to buy – if you're going to be in the market and you're going to f- try and find – you don't get to take teams when everything's swell. You don't get to take teams when it feels good. You don't get to take teams when it – like you're very rarely going to find instances where the market doesn't realize a team is good or, in this case, that a team is not as bad as they, as they look uh the the live win total right now is 37 and a half in the market it's a little low um they're minus 115 to make the play in don't mind that bet either they could even win 37 games and maybe make the play in yeah here's my thing um the underlying numbers don't say that this team is not as bad as the eye test and so you kind of gotta like this is a good question is what do you trust because when you watch them i mean Bulls fans are tearing out their eyes and screaming and yelling and like it is Bad, like fire Arturis and fire Billy Donovan and fire trade Zach Levine and like the whole thing uh is terrible. Like this is this is the categorical low point of the current Chicago Bulls. Uh yes, and
1: and just to affirm what you're saying, you know, as a guy that lives in Chicago suburbs and has a lot of Bulls fan friends, it is catastrophic out here. Like everyone could not be more out on this construction of the team raid everyone fire everyone. Like people just want
0: out on this team. Yeah. So here's the problem. Okay. The <laughs> bulls of 11 and 16 are still 14th in adjusted net rating at dunks and threes. They're ahead of the warriors. They're ahead oh, of geez. the Knicks. They're ahead of the Raptors. They're ahead of the Lakers. They're ahead of the heat. They're ahead of the Hawks. They're ahead of the wolves. Okay. Uh, they have the second toughest strength of schedule on the board. So let's combine this. So far, yes. They have the 14th ranked adjusted net rating versus and this is adjusted for how they for how they've the opponents they played, right? So these are there is a tandem here. It's that they have been average versus a really tough set of games in which they probably should have lost most of those games. They've come out with a slight slightly above figure of +1.1. So they are slightly above where they should be based off of the expectation of the schedule. They have faced the number one toughest defensive strength of schedule. And a lot of that you can kind of refute by saying, yeah, because they play the bucks and the Cavs twice, and they're going to have to play them again twice because they play in that division. And that's yeah. completely fair. Um, If we look at, I'm going to check this. I have not checked this before I, I, I jumped on here. Chicago, Yep. It, it checks out Chicago's win differential. They're currently 29th in that category. They're 2.2 wins worse than oh. expected. So what I'm telling you is the bulls can be a mediocre brand of garbage that Brandon wishes they would trade and get a, a, a 19 year old weird player. That's going to miss the entire season with injury. But when he comes back, which is what mm. all of the bulls fans want, that can all be True. And the bulls can still objectively in the market be underrated at 37 and a half with a minus 115 to make the play-in.
1: So yeah, I, I think that's right. Here, yes. Here's my take. The Chicago Bull, I'm just gonna piss off two fan bases at once. I'm just gonna drop this onto the timeline and then we're gonna move on. The Bulls are the next. Did they don't I don't even have any notes? I yeah. don't care. You're mediocre. See you in the play-in. I hope the Bulls beat the Atlanta Hawks and win my ticket for me. I don't want to bet on Chicago. I don't need to bet against them. They're fine. They're average. They're going to make the play in. I don't care. Fans don't care. Love it.
0: Love it. All right. Long shot of the week. You mean not good like one out of a hundred?
1: I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance.
0: Like that's ever going to happen. We're going to, before we wrap up, we always do our long shot of the week. I have a Rackham this week. We're going combine, to combine segments because I got a mini Rackham. We're not doing all the awards. I just got three because I can't believe these numbers. A FanDuel Sportsbook. You can take Jared Allen to win Defensive Player of the Year, Bull Bull to win Most Improved Player, as he had another fantastic performance and actually got to close the game last night versus the Toronto Raptors, and Steph Curry, who's going to miss, quote, several weeks, a few weeks, I think is the word for Adrian Woznirowski. It's not going to be a month long. Like, we're doing this again, Brandon. His drop, his his MVP odds dropped to twenty six hundred today, Brandon. Oh man! Like, we're doing this again. Who
1: cares that he misses these three weeks in the course of eight months of the season? Like, if it's really three weeks, I expect a little longer. I did not expect that drop. That's wild.
0: Yeah, you combine Jared Allen, Bull Bull, and Steph Curry. Jared Allen, Defensive Player of the Year. Bull Bull, Most Improved Player. Steph Curry, MVP. These are all completely reasonable cases. This is my favorite guy right now for DPOI. This is a guy that I don't necessarily love. He doesn't fit our profile for most improved. I get it. It's just a matter of like, everyone keeps talking about, wow, did you see, bull, bull, and then Steph. This is the number, Brandon. Uh, I need to make sure I can figure this out. Okay, 3,196,700 is the number on that (laughs)
1: ticket. 3,196,700. Bet one dollar. One dollar bet wins you thirty-one thousand nine hundred sixty-seven dollars at that price. Yep. And uh, by the way, I don't think FanDuel is going to let you put more than a too much more than a dollar on there because I'm not sure that they need the liability for too much past that.
0: So uh, uh, they they will because I did put more than a dollar on it. Okay. We well, there changed.
1: you go. You got it in already. I
0: already got it in. I'm going to put it in the
1: app. <laughs> I, look, I, look. We talked about staff. We talked about Jared Allen earlier. Bull Bull, love the dude, love the story. As great as he's been so far, and all the advanced metrics are pretty and happy and yay, 13 points and seven rebounds. It's just like somebody's going to care about the counting numbers and 13 points at seven is just not going to get it done, I think. But imagine, so,
0: but imagine if I get to March <laughs> and the other two are, are yeah. if, I, if I get to March. It, it, it's it definitely... didn't
1: work for us, but it could have worked for me. <laughs> yes,
0: yes.
1: <laughs> Well, All I'm right. gonna give you a, a long shot that, quite honestly, might be somehow longer, despite it not being anywhere near three zillion to one odds. <laughs> so I'm gonna let me build to it here. You're, you're gonna, you're just gonna hate this take so very much. So I dumped on the Hawks. I don't like the Hawks. We didn't do the Heat. I don't believe in the Heat. I don't like the Heat. I've never liked them this season. I thought it was gonna be bad. The Wizards have lost ten of eleven. By the way, they're minus three hundred to miss the playoffs pretty much free money 538.com has the wizards at 9% to make the playoffs they're not going to win playing games so i don't like the hawks i don't like the heat i don't like the wizards i don't like the other team either but guess what charlotte hornets 300 to 1 to win the division let's go
0: okay Here's the case. stop 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 we made this whole, i i've gotten very good about not yelling at you for these bets what you the
1: just bet fuck is a this a million to 1 bet let me make my case so here's where this started. I, I in preparation for this podcast, I went standings down, top to bottom, Celtics, box. I'm going through the East. We talked this offline. I got to like six teams in, and I was like, oh, Heat. Oh, Hawks. Oh, Bulls. Where are the teams that are good? Who's the good team? Who's hiding down here? Who's further in the standings? Then that's why I kind of talked myself into the Raptors a little bit. Like somebody has to win games. And I kept going and I kept going. And I was like, oh, I guess there's nobody. I got to the very bottom and I got to the Charlotte Hornets who are four and 17 since the start of November. They're dead last in EFG. They're bad at threes. They're dead last in two-point percentage. They're terrible. I don't have any case for the basketball sense of this team. They are trash, awful. They should absolutely just tank the rest of the way. LaMelo Ball, who I know you absolutely hate, has played only four games so far. He's very clearly the best player on the team. Terry Rozier has been not good this year. Hopefully will be much better when he's not having to be the star on the team and is not good at that. I was looking at, okay, could the Hornets, if they like accidentally ripped off a few wins, not even be good, but could they just like, Oh, Hey, the Hornets won five games in a row. Cause that happens in the NBA. Could they get to like 35 wins and, and, and be a play in team. That's where I started. They're 18 to one to make the play in. You'd basically, they need to w- play 500 ball the rest of the way. That gets you to 35 wins. Now you're in the play-in. Well, I expanded territory. There's six and a half games back from the Heat and the Hawks, who books are basically treating as a coin flip in the division, which we did before the season. Six and a half in this division with no other good teams and nobody that I like is not the same as the five-game Celtics lead you talked about. It's not the same because the Celtics aren't going to just suddenly lose five in a row. The Heat and the Hawks could both lose their next five in a row and everyone be like, mm, yeah, well, they're not very good. So that's it playing the number. I don't like the Hornets. I don't like the team. I don't like the coach. I don't like Lamella that much. I like the 300 to one. I hate the rest of the division. I'm fading the division. I'm playing the Hornets to win the division 300 to one. I'm putting it in the app. It's a real bet. Let's go. Wow.
0: I am speechless. Um, (laughs) Here's what I would tell you. I think, you know, what I think is more likely the wizards trade Bradley Beal and the team that they get in return makes a run for the division that is more likely to me than the hornets like the, the
1: wizards make the run of the playoffs that's what you're saying yeah with the with the beale guys because yeah. all the guys that they got from the westbrook trade all the leftover parts the bartons and the on the monty Morris's, all, all the guys that they got from that have been so good for the wizards losers of 10 of the last 11
0: you know what's weird though i mean beale Beal and porzingis have been out right so yeah. that's the thing well,
1: Beal is all walking out. Like Bradley Beal is the guard version of Anthony Davis.
0: (laughs) I'll just tell you, I saw them up close last night and they hung in that game for a long time with a really good game plan versus the nuggets. Um, They let Nikola Jokic score and everyone's like, what? Um, The plan was make the nuggets try and beat you with twos versus threes. It was a really good plan. They didn't double Nikola. They dared him to score 40. He did. And for three quarters of the game, they were hanging in or had the lead. They shot 17 to 31 from three without Beale and Porzingis, with nothing on the interior, with Rui Hachimura, who's actually been really good this season, with him out, and they were within range, they just didn't have the energy on the back on, on the altitude road trip. Um, I'm not saying the Wizards are good, but I am telling you that if you took Bradley Beal's contract and you flip that into players that can actually help, mm-hmm. that team is better than Charlotte.
1: So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, look, it's, it's the same take as mine. The take is yeah. the heat stink. The Hawks stink. stink. Is there yeah. anybody else that could possibly steal a very, very winnable division? Like yep. you and I could, if we could realign divisions, we could talk ourselves into at least 15 other NBA teams to win the division here with yeah. the heat and the Hawks as the other options. Like I just was trying to find somebody That's if you want the wizards defended. instead, take the wizards. It's yeah. a fade the heat and the Hawks take. We'll see you. what happens. It's going to be garbage in two weeks. We, it bet probably the, already is.
0: we bet that no Southeast division team makes the playoffs. <laughs> we can do? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, right. it's possible that, uh, it's possible. that if you could get, just get one and then put in the play in and then they lose.
0: All right, just to wrap it up. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you guys again on Monday for the recap episode. We'll likely, I would say that there's a good expectation we'll have results from the ESPN straw poll to be able to go ahead and uh, break those down on that episode. Um, we'll, we'll go over the most important covers with Albert and all that stuff, and we'll have best bets through, all throughout the week. Make sure to follow Brandon in the Action Network app for all his dynamite plays. I'm tailing him on several this weekend. So go ahead and do that. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. get buckets